here we go, episode five. Welcome everyone, it's a pleasure as always to have you on board, wherever you're listening to Between the Ears. I've got a really exciting episode for you today, one that it was an absolute pleasure to record. Time just seemed to, to fly by with the bloke that I was able to sit down and have a chat with. His name is Jake Harvey. He plays for the Kookaburras, which is the Australian men's hockey team. And Jake's just a very impressive young man. He's still in his early 20s, but the way that he speaks about life and sport and perspective was, was really impressive to me. And it was, it was a really cool chat to be a part of. I found myself learning a lot, and I think you will too. Now, this Friday, the 13th of January, Jake and his Kookaburra teammates are heading over to India for the Hockey World Cup which is very exciting, so make sure that you're tuning in on KO um, and having a look at Jake if you like the episode. Um, On the show today, we talked a lot about gratitude. Um, Jake has a pretty impressive um, gratitude journal that he's been working on for a few years that we touched on pretty early on. We also talked about um, missing out on the Olympics. So Jake had played 72 out of the previous 80 matches for the Kookaburras leading into the Tokyo 2021 rescheduled Olympics um, and went unselected for those games. So, um, you know, the Olympics is is the highest level for hockey. It's sort of the pinnacle of hockey. So for Jake to come to terms with that and bounce back, we got into that a lot and it was really interesting to hear his perspective on that um, and how he viewed that afterwards. But all in all, it was a really good chat, one that I was thrilled to have got recorded, thrilled to have Jake on board, and perfect timing with the World Cup coming up. So I hope you enjoy. Please like and subscribe and tell your friends about the show if you're enjoying it. Actually, tell them even if you're not enjoying it, even if you hate it. Make sure you let them know. Um, And I hope you enjoy the episode. Jake Harvey, what a star. Okay, I'm very excited to be sitting across from this man who's generously allowed me into his home for another episode of the podcast. He's managed to keep his Southwest locks. He's got he's got almost 100 games for the Kookaburras, and excitingly, he's heading to a World Cup very shortly to play hockey for Australia again. Jake Harvey, welcome to the show, mate. Yeah, thanks very much for having me, Luke. It's uh, fantastic what you're doing, and I'm uh, yeah, very. Very much looking forward to having a bit of a chat and uh, diving into a few different things. Yeah, awesome, mate. So obviously, just got to your house a few minutes ago, and I'm already yeah. picking your brains, and I can already tell that this is going to be a very good episode. Um, very exciting to have you on board. Now, we did discuss, let's just dive in the deep end. Let's do gratefulness straight up. Yeah. Um, you're a bit of an expert in this, and we'll touch on that <laughs> after you give me a three, but do you want to give me your three first, or I'll go first? You can go first. Everyone makes me go first. Yeah. One one day someone, no, one person ever on yeah. the show went before me, yeah. James O'Neill, which was episode three, and he knocked it out of the park. So yeah. it was it was very embarrassing when it was my yeah. turn to do my yeah. three. Yeah. So I'll go first. Um, mate, I've been getting such lovely messages about the show, like yeah. just so grateful for people in my life, even people from 
back in the day who haven't spoken to in a while. Yeah. It's been really lovely, so very grateful for that. Obviously, um, number two, it's Christmas time at the moment, so um, the holidays, it's, it's a great time of year seeing friends and family and, and everyone makes a real effort to see each other, which is, which is really special. And last night, sunset, went for a run. It's still pretty hot at night, but, you know, like the sun's setting and it's just a pretty beautiful place, beautiful part of the world that we live in. So I was thinking last night, you know, those evening runs in summer, they're back. And, uh, yep. yeah, it's truly special. Go on, mate. Give me three. Yeah, I think... Uh one that uh, often crops up for me when I'm thinking about it. Uh, it would have to be my, my family, my mum, my dad and my brother. I'm often, end of the day, most days I'm, I'm considering what they've done for me and um, how important they are for me. And yeah, so that that's one that always is uh, something I'm very, very grateful for. Um, I think maybe not in the evening, but I, I like getting up quite early um, as the sun's just coming up. And that's this time of year, it's quite nice. It's very quiet. Um, and I don't mind going for a walk early in the morning. So I'm pretty uh, pretty grateful for, for nature and, and, and just a nice, beautiful scenery in the morning. I'm pretty fortunate to be a part of that. Um, and then I'm just very grateful uh, for my life, uh, for what I've got going on at the moment and some of the opportunities I've got and, and not just the good ones, some of the challenges as well. And I think that's, uh, yeah, I really enjoy the challenge and, and the growth that comes from that. And yeah, really, uh, yeah, really excited to see what the road ahead's got in store. Excellent, mate. I said you're an expert and you haven't let us down. I did mention in the intro you, you surf a lot there's a few boards here. You yeah. mentioned getting out in the morning in nature. Are they just for, for props so that when people come over they think you're a cool surfer or yeah. do they actually do they get in the water as well? <laughs> Look, they haven't been in the water for quite quite a long time, actually. it's a, If anything, I've tried to been offloading them and uh, getting, getting rid of a few. I reckon I've had far too many boards than I could justify over the last little while. And... Yeah, I'll definitely look to try and get in the water a little bit before uh, I head overseas. But um, yeah, I, I definitely can't say that I've, I've surfed as much as I probably need to for the amount of boards I've got in my quiver uh, in the last 12 months. But so let's say it's still a work in progress. That's all right, mate. Bigger, bigger and better things yeah. than hitting the water. And they'll be there one day when you're ready to get back in the water. Yeah. you got all of them there waiting yeah. patiently for you. Now, we yeah. talked about um, before, obviously, when I got here, I mentioned we do gratefulness. Yeah. and you bought a little prop out. Do you want to yeah. tell the, the listeners about what you bought out for me? It was, it was It's very impressive. As someone, yeah. Yeah. I won't give away too much, but as someone who needs to practice the habit, yeah. it's very impressive. Tell me about your little book. Yeah, so so what I brought out is, well, so to, to start the story, really, like I, I had done some reading about gratitude a couple of years ago in the past and um, thought I would try and get into it and start practicing it. And it's something that, I have sort of practiced at the end of every day, just sort of two or three things that I'm grateful for. Um, and as I said, you know, before about my parents and being grateful for them, that's, that's something that often comes up very frequently. Um, and I think the interesting thing that I've done is I always write it in my phone because I think it's a bit easier just when I'm away, like touring with hockey or traveling. And um, it's just a really easy thing, like write those down, spend a bit of time thinking about it, set my alarm, go to bed normally get up for training um but i think the interesting thing that i've done from that is i've always sometimes it's really hard to schedule in time for yourself i think um because there's always other things it's always uni or work or you know friends mates whatever you got to do um training and and what i what i try and do is every month or six weeks or you know i haven't done it for you know about 
three months because of what I've had going on, but I really recently started touching it up. But I always go back and write everything down. I write each day down um, each three things in a little book. And I just finished my first notebook, which is three years worth of gratitude, uh, of daily gratitude. So I was, it was a bit of a milestone to, to knock that out. But I found it really interesting um, going back and reflecting you know, over six weeks or a couple of months of what you've been grateful for. And a lot of the time it's simple stuff and it's small stuff. And, um, you know, it's really cool to see those reoccurring things that you're grateful for. And it becomes quite significant um, and it helps you put importance on those things when, when you get the opportunity to. It's incredible. Yeah, it's it's really cool. As you said, I think we found a date in early 2020. So, yeah, mm. almost, almost three years filling up all those pages. And, yeah, yeah it's definitely a habit that people need to, keep practicing yeah. um yeah very special very inspiring mate that you got that book yeah. maybe one day i'll have a full book on my own <laughs> yeah. um now obviously in the next month or so um you're going to the world cup that's probably yep. the the main thing on the horizon for you at the moment let's chat a bit about that you're going to india i think it starts um january 13 or yep. 14 um yeah tell me a bit about your emotions Heading into that, mate, it must be pretty exciting for you. Yeah, very exciting. I think um, it's interesting, like being the Christmas period, and you know, it's for us, it's sort of, you know, another day just goes by with training, and you know, a very big tournament for us, and you know, something that only comes around every four years. And although you know, it won't be quite as big as the Soccer World Cup, and what's just been, it's it, it is as just a bigger importance to us as hockey players. So. Yeah, like back in India, in, in Bhubaneswar, it was the same as the World Cup in 2018 and uh, we didn't quite get the job done there, getting knocked out uh, in penalties in the semi-final. So, yeah, I think it's very exciting to have another opportunity and um, get the opportunity to be part of another team that's going to the World Cup. As, as I said, it only comes around every four years and you never know what can be happening every four years. You could be injured, there could be things going on and um, any opportunity to be a part of the team is, is just nice and I think... You know, then from there you set your sights on, you know, really wanting to achieve, have a good performance individually and also just do what you can to help the group perform. And we've got a fantastic group, um, an exciting group. And I think, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we go. There's, you know, when you've got pretty much the top 16 teams in the world, you never know what can happen. And as we saw in the Soccer World Cup. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. But, um, yeah, very much looking forward to getting over there and getting stuck in. As you mentioned, yeah, the Soccer World Cup's been on recently um the hockey world cup's probably not getting enough hype but i think th this podcast can, can really get it across the line i was i was watching a video in like argentina today yeah. of just like these mad fans that would yeah. be absolutely incredible and that's similar to the reception i get as a as a podcaster when yeah. i walk along the street people are just absolutely losing their mind for me mate now you did mention that it was in india a few years ago you yeah. ended up with a bronze medal yeah. strange that it's sort of in the same place again. I don't know yeah. how that really works. But what are your what are your memories? Obviously, came away with bronze. Probably not what you wanted. But what are your memories of of there? They love their hockey over there. Hey, they they are really a vibrant, yeah. incredible people. The Indian people. Yeah. yeah. Well, firstly, hopefully, you know, some of the podcast following can maybe tune in, and we'll get you know we'll get somewhere a little bit closer to Argentina. Although I did see the masses of, of people, and it was a bit insane. And I don't yeah. think we'll ever have anything like that when it comes no. to hockey. But <laughs> Yeah, like you say, it is in terms of spectators and, and a, a nation that loves their sport, um, India is pretty crazy for hockey and we would rarely get to play in front of a crowd of 20,000 people like we do over there. So that is a very exciting part of it. Um, yeah, it's going back to 2018 in the same city um, in India. 
Yeah, I think for me that was sort of largely my first year in the national program. I played a few tournaments the year before, um, but it was my first year being named in the national program, and it was a very it was a massive whirlwind for me that year. Sort of was very fortunate to get a number of opportunities um, to play pretty much every game that year. Um, so it had been a busy year already, and um, yeah, like for me it was just trying to keep head above water and just you know I was loving it enjoying it and yeah like I think you look back and it always feels like you know when when you don't come away with a win that maybe it's a bit of a missed opportunity with something that that only comes around every four years um so yeah like I think of you know I think with COVID and a number of the challenges that have happened in the last four years I think feeling a lot more mature about this World Cup and keen to keen to be involved and 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 bring what I can to the group and um yeah I think our group's more mature as well and it's going to be very exciting to see what we can do um and what we can achieve I think awesome and in terms of people there'll be a lot of people listening to this show that won't know a lot what are we what are our chances I guess of of bringing home a world cup who are your sort of competitors who are you expecting hopefully it's Australia again in that final four but who do you reckon the other three will the other three will be if we get there yeah, I think well, the reigning world champions and Olympic champions, Belgium, pretty strong group. Um, they've had a pretty meteoric rise in the last decade um, in the hockey world. Um, I think for us, you know, we go in as world number one, um, and we've you know prior to the last World Cup, we'd won the last two back to back, and um, we do have a strong group. But those European nations are, are very very strong. Um, you know, the likes of the Netherlands, Belgium, Germany, um, all playing very very good hockey. Um, I think you know. Spain, Argentina are always good chances as well, and India on their day, Great Britain. There's lots of really good teams that, you know, on their day, um, you know, can, can push anyone. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think it it's it's hard to tell. Um, I think, you know, looking at the Soccer World Cup, there was, you know, you look at Morocco and um, a lot of upsets throughout that tournament. So it's a pretty cutthroat tournament, three round games and then an elimination quarterfinal. So you have to be on. You don't, you don't have a choice. There's no, no resting on your laurels, I think, at all. Um, but yeah, for us, it's been, I think, a slightly different preparation compared to maybe what the preparation was to the Olympics. Like, we hardly played in, like, I didn't get to go to the Olympics, but didn't, uh, we didn't play any international matches at all, really, for two years leading into that, just training uh, here in Perth. Um, whereas we've had, you know, a good European series, the Commonwealth Games, the National League here a series against India now heading into the World Cup. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's always different, every preparation. There's always spanners in the works and different things that happen. So, yeah, like I think um, I think we're a good chance. Anyone's a good chance. And, yeah, it's just going to be it's going to be on from January 13. Awesome. Given that, given that video I saw of Argentina, I reckon they'll be lucky if they can find 11 guys willing, willing to go. I think the parties will still be going. So maybe we can write them off. <laughs> yeah. Now let's go into a bit of your childhood about who you yep. who you really are. I know you spoke about your your mum and dad and you spoke a little bit about home. You you're from the southwest as I as I mentioned from from Dardana. Yeah. Um a lot of people probably wouldn't yep. know a lot about Dardana. What can you what can you tell me about who you are? Tell me a bit about yep. home, where you're from, yeah. Yeah, so um yeah, grew up in the Ferguson Valley, uh, about yeah half an hour out of Bunbury, um, out on out on a farm there. So, went to the Dardanup Primary School, which, like I said, not many people have heard of because there's not many people that <laughs> went there. Um, and yeah, high school in in Bunbury in the southwest, uh, and just 
loved loved growing up down there, growing out uh, growing up out on the farm, uh, playing for the Boyne Art Hockey Club, as you well know. Um, some great life lessons learned in various different ways uh, around that hockey club that I'm very grateful for. Um, but yeah, like very fortunate to have had the upbringing that I've had, I think, and, and that's one of the reasons I think I mentioned when it comes to gratitude. Like the start I've been fortunate to have in my life is something that, um, you know, not everyone's blessed with. And, you know, I, I don't think I've got any reason not to be to be grateful and putting my best foot forward with the opportunity um, to start my life that I've been given. Um, yeah, I think one of the best decisions I made was not to move to Perth uh, while I was still in high school. Um, Played a lot of senior hockey in the southwest. Thoroughly enjoyed it. As you said, you you, you often learn lessons the hard way playing country <laughs> sport. Um, those guys are not backwards in coming forwards when it comes to giving you know, I'd say constructive uh, criticism, yeah. <laughs> even on your own team, yeah. <laughs> uh, but especially from other teams. So, yeah, look, I think that's um, yeah been a great a great upbringing. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed. It. I thoroughly enjoy getting back down there. Um, it's really important to me to remember where you came from and a lot of my core values and, and what's important to me. And particularly, I think, when it comes just to sport, like, that's not my whole identity, but the way that I play the game is important to me, how I play, um, you know, not just what I achieve in the extrinsic stuff. So a lot of that comes from, from humble beginnings and, and where things started. So, yeah, I think um, I always, you know, consider myself very lucky to have now got the opportunities to do what I have um, coming from, yep, that small Dudnut Primary School, <laughs> uh, playing hockey out on the back oval there. Um, and yeah, le- learning to play the game. From what I've heard, you, you've, um, you, it's sort of a hobby farm that you live on. I mm. think you mentioned before your dad's making a bit of wine and stuff. Yeah. But I think you've got the little. Have you got like the hockey goals at your house, and yeah. then there's a bit of, you know, a bit of property with the yeah. vineyards and stuff. Someone yeah. described it to me one day about yeah. your your house, and it sounds yeah. like a pretty cool place to grow up. You, you have a brother named Tom who's. Yeah. Um, coming through the national program and hopefully yep. one day um, you'll both be playing mm. together but sounds like a pretty cool place to grow up can you describe the back the back or front yard yeah you? the back or front yard well it's yeah it's a um yeah we've, we've got a yeah a hobby farm i would say that i think there's still always a fair bit of stuff going on out there but yeah plug rascals corner winery quickly uh it's mum and dad's wine um and yeah that like it's it's a pretty cool project for them that they enjoy and yeah i think there wasn't always that uh a little flat bit of like astroturf. There's not much flat land on our property at all. So a lot of, a lot of the hockey came from just you know whacking a ball between Tom and myself in a paddock. You know, like <laughs> losing a lot of hockey balls in in uh, in the forest and in the dam and stuff like that. So it's a it is a very like picturesque place and um, very beautiful and um, that's something that I try and still get involved in in Perth is get in nature and uh, you know spend a bit of time around that that side of things. But yeah, like it's 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 a cool place. There's nothing. Uh, it's not many better places for me. Just sitting up on the deck there, having a look over the vineyard and the dam, and relaxing, having a few sparkling waters. Um, so yeah, it's it's a very, as I said, very fortunate to have grown up there. I think, yeah, it's definitely a bit of a project. The house still, like I think, it's something that uh, uh, my dad, you know, he's just fascinated in in all kinds of different things. He's definitely a life learner, and that's something that I've definitely always try and emulate from him. Um, 
and there's always a different project going on uh, in the, on the farm. So, you know, I think it, it should be certain things that come first, but it's always a different thing getting added to the top of that list and more important things that should be done. Probably the boring stuff getting pushed to the bottom of the list. So, yeah. One day it'll all come together. One day it'll all come yeah, together. Yeah, well, I think one day is often a bit of a code for never, but, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, uh, about that. it's slowly, slowly coming together. And every time I go home now that they're spending more time out there um, and not driving Tom and I around for hockey and flying around the country, they actually get to spend a bit more time at their beautiful home and um, yeah, get a bit more done on it and some more time for themselves. And yeah, there's always something new being, being done by every time I go back down there. It's a beautiful part of the world, the Fergie Valley and um, driving through there and stuff. As, as you know, I spent a bit of time in the Southwest um, over the last year or so and I'd never heard of the Fergie Valley, but yeah. beautiful part of the world. So shout out, get down there if you can. I like that phrase, life learner. Yeah. It's good. Describing your dad as a life learner, I'll write write that one down because I'm digressing here a bit, but it's a very interesting phrase because like, I guess that's what we're all doing, right? You just keep collecting things um, and just every day, yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's really, really interesting. I know you talked about boring up hockey as well. Um, Tell me a little bit about the competitive nature (laughs) of like you, you come through for some people like playing living in the country it's a gift and a curse but yeah. you, you come through and you're playing against older blokes and yeah. um how did that help you sort of development as a as a player yeah look i think it definitely toughens you up first and foremost i think uh i was never still not but never a very like big guy especially when i was sort of you know 14 or 15 trying to play a-grade hockey in the southwest it's pretty mm. easy for guys to to, to put you on your back um, and definitely not help you up. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that was a good thing. Like, I think for me, I've, as I said, I've been very fortunate with a lot of things, you know, and my hockey journey has been one of those things. And I think some of the resilience that I probably got to build down there was something that I didn't really know I needed until later. I didn't have to deal with non-selection or things like that until much, you know, until my international career. And I think... At the time, I didn't know that I had the skills to, to deal with that um, and to continue on. Um, yeah, I think also just the nature of a team sport, there's always, you always want to push yourself at an individual level to keep raising the bar. Um, and, and, you know, being a life learner is something that I've always applied to my hockey. And um, I think for me, a big thing that's changed in the last 18 months is to my, my focus on my intrinsic motivators is, is much more pertinent in front of mind. Um, and that's something that you know, you know, you have control over. Um, and that's something that was definitely important down there. You know, you play for your team. It's there's no there's no fuss about being standouts. But um, I think that's really important as you grow up and get more opportunity, um, which I've been fortunate to do. Um, not to get ahead of yourself. And yeah, I think sometimes it doesn't make sense. But the more patient you are, the quicker things come because um, you don't try and force it um, and take your time with it and know that yeah, it is a process. And you know, I think. The training that we do in the international um, sort of scene and with the national team is like there's so much effort that goes into getting that 1% um, improvement and that can be very frustrating at times, but that is something that you have to accept and um, and sign up for, I think. Now, your connection with the Kookaburras goes mm. a little bit further than just being you. Basically, yeah. you've yeah. got a bit of family history. Let's, let's unpack that a little bit. It's yeah. something very interesting. Tell me about your sort of generational connection to Oz Hockey. Yeah, I'm very, very fortunate to have uh, that history. So my, on my mum's side, my mum's dad, my granddad is is Gordon Pierce. He's one of the Pierce brothers who are 
to the hockey world reasonably well known. Um, so he actually moved uh, and his family moved from India. So he was born in India, moved to Australia when he was 11. Um, and all he was one of five, five brothers, and they all <laughs> played hockey for Australia at one time or another. I actually, I got sent a photo a couple of weeks ago of the WA First Eleven back in uh, in the fifties, or it would have been in the fifties. I mean, there was I think it was one of the only times that that all five of them played in the same team together, and it was something like for the national tournament. They, you know, it was like. 45 goals for and nil goals against and it was sounds like and, and the way that they talk about themselves I'm sure that you know they talk about it as, as if every tournament was like that <laughs> uh, they're uh, they're very cheeky and you know they they thoroughly enjoyed playing hockey and obviously playing for Australia and he was fortunate enough to go to three Olympics um, he won a silver medal um, he missed out on the Olympics which is something I can relate to now with him as well and it's funny because he was actually a Tokyo Olympics as well that he missed out on which is really unique like mm. um uh, that you know we have we have some similar similar uh, points in our journey I think but I think so grateful to have that history uh, when it comes to being part of a national program or just a group or anything whether it's family business whatever um, it's I think I the way that he talks about his time in the national program has definitely made me try and nurture my position and take care of that and leave my shirt in a better place and add to the program um, not just take and I think. Yeah, like they, they had to pay their way to go to the Olympics, you know, in the 60s and, and back then, um, you know, whereas we're very, very fortunate to be funded and get the opportunities we do to travel around the world. And in a, in a career that probably spanned over 16 years, four Olympic cycles, you only played 44 games, you know. And, uh, you know, I've been fortunate to play, you know, nearly 100 already. Um, and that's four years or something, isn't that almost? Yeah, and since t- 2017. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, that's with two years of COVID and not playing a single game. So it's, you know, the opportunities they got were far less. And um, I think the other thing that's most important about um, what he's, how he sort of speaks about his time as an athlete was just the enjoyment factor. And they just loved playing uh, with their brothers. Um, So there was three of them that played uh, mainly for Australia together for a, a number of years um, with the two eldest sort of being there at, at the forefront and then obviously moved on to other things in their career. But um, yeah, they, they just have such fond memories of playing together and, and the stories, obviously. And I think it's, I, I definitely relate to that. Obviously, obviously, I've been lucky to have some success, you know, and win some tournaments and, um, you know, collect a few medals. But just the fun they had and the stories they have is, is what seems to be front of mind when it comes to what they remember about their career. And I think like some of the most fun I've had in hockey was probably getting the opportunity to play with Tom uh, in the National League this year. It was something that, you know, I think back to when we were little kids playing for Boy Enough, like to think that we we're ever going to get to play in the Thundersticks together was just almost an outrageous dream, let alone the possibility of maybe playing for Australia one day to get like together is, you know, that something that may or may not happen. You never know. Like you, <laughs> the, the thing about sport is you do need a lot of luck um, that I think a lot of people probably deny at times and I think like for me it's you know I think I've and I hope I've gotten over myself enough to know that I wouldn't have had the opportunity that I have and had some of the the appearances that I have without some luck I don't think it's all just um up to the individual there's certain things that have to fall into place um 
but yeah, Granddad still talks very fondly of his time, um, and and you know I think jokes very fondly about the times he always used to beat us in the backyard, and um, but, you know he, you know he retired well on top with probably no goals against and zero losses, and, <laughs> does and now he just feels no need to challenge us anymore. But I think why would you at nearly eighty nine? I think but he still flogged us in golf, which is a bit frustrating when you know someone's you know that impressive. But um, yeah, like I I feel very fortunate to have had that I think sometimes it makes you almost care a little bit too much um, mm. which you wouldn't think could ever be a bad thing but I think sometimes it can be when something means too much to you um, you know you've got to be careful about how how you go about things and um, if you know too much of a good thing can be a bad thing sometimes in terms of obviously you come from smallish country town where you're obviously dominating and a good player and people start to get some raps on mm. you and then you've got a grandfather that used yeah. to pay for the kookaburras there must be a lot of pressures there there must be some chat throughout you know oh you're gonna play for australia one mm. day you're gonna be like you you granddad can you talk to me a little bit about that i'm sure i don't want to put words in your mouth but i yeah. guarantee that that's a conversation that people yeah. used to have with you yeah i don't yeah i think i think for me it was really unique that i think that i kind of always knew I wanted to do this like which is something again that I would say that I'm quite grateful for is to have found something that oh, I've always been very passionate about and I think the cool thing for me is and this is something that you know I thank my parents for is that I've, I've, I've always seen hockey as like a bit of a vehicle it's always like a little microcosm in the real world where and whenever I've been fortunate enough to speak to a school or different people I always say that that I think that like you can learn a lot about life, you know, in a sport that without the real consequences, you might not get picked in a team, you might lose a tournament and that sucks because a lot of hard work goes into making that team or trying to win that tournament. But it's nothing, you know, it's nothing like losing a job or, or different things like that. I, I wouldn't say, not that I've experienced that yet, but I'm sure I will one day. Um, and I've, yeah, I've really enjoyed that about hockey and um, the lessons I've learned from really challenging myself. I think that I never really have felt any pressure to have to play for Australia or um, that conversation. I think it was always just something that was like, I just loved playing hockey. Um, and like I loved, you know, like I was coming home from school. I always did my homework because I think mum would kill me if I didn't. So I always had to do both. And that's a great thing as well. I always had to do balance. And that's something that I always thoroughly enjoy doing now is having balance in my life and it's heavily skewed towards hockey because that's what I want to be that's my craft that I'm you know I'm trying to achieve mastery in but um yeah I think that yeah like it definitely comes up a lot there's a lot of people that you sort of don't know in the hockey world but you come across um that you know know about the pierces or my granddad and they talk about it and yeah I think going back to what he has made important to Tom and I is that it's about enjoying it you know he always says like make sure you enjoy it and you know you don't need to do anything different whenever you go out there and play um he says never play with confidence play with supreme confidence and I think that definitely showed in some of the stories that they've told us about their past like they are you know they definitely thought they could match it with anyone and I don't think in an arrogant way in a cheeky way um which is which is always provides for some good humour whenever they're chatting about how much better they are than us. <laughs> Sounds like a riot. I yeah. want to meet this guy. Maybe yeah. he can come on the pod one day. Um, I was actually thinking, yeah, hockey, homework then hockey. I didn't do mm. homework and mm. I don't play hockey for yeah. Australia, so you could have yeah. ended up with a <laughs> with a low profile yeah. podcast. Yeah. Mate. Yeah. Um, now, in terms of 
setbacks. And I know that you've talked about mm. the Olympics yeah. a couple of times and you're still yeah. young and you're still building and stuff. Yeah. But I think it's interesting because you never want to focus on the negatives mm. and we talk about gratefulness and stuff. Mm. But it is always something for me. It's really important to address the negatives as much as yeah. you can address the positives. Sure. And I feel like you would agree yeah. with that. Yeah. So on that note, let's let's chat about the Olympics. What mm. are your what are your memories of? I guess when did you find out you're, you're yeah. missing out on that yeah. dream that you would have had? Yeah. So it's a, yeah, it's an interesting story, and I think the funny thing is like it's cool that we started off talking about gratitude because. Um, you know, once you've come out the other side or something like that, that's really challenging. Um, the only, like, I only really have gratitude for that experience. Like, I think there's always things that you might think should have been different or still could be different. But for me, like, and I've said this a number of times when I've spoken about it, is that, like, you, like I wouldn't change uh, the outcome of getting picked um, as, like, for the, like, person that I became because of that experience. Like, I just think that's invaluable. Um, and I wouldn't change that at all. I think... As I said, like for me, I had a lot of luck early on to some degree. Like I think, yes, you have to take your opportunity, but guys were unavailable for tournaments. Guys got injured and I got lots of games probably because of that. Um, And so I had, prior to the Olympics in 2021, it obviously got delayed a year, um, I had played probably as much as anybody in the four years prior to that. I played 72 out of the previous 80 games Australia had played. and had been rested for a few. Um, I'd been, I didn't uh, play the pro league final after playing most of that season, um, which sucked. But at the end of the day, it wasn't the way that the coaches explained it to me. It wasn't a non-selection. It was just, we traveled with a full squad. It was time for someone else to have an opportunity. And I'd been fortunate to play in lots of major finals already. Um, And then obviously COVID happened, which was a bit of a challenge. Um, You know, I've gone from sort of playing my first 50 games for Australia in, under 18 months to playing what ended up being two games in two years, um, which was pretty hard, I think. And for me, it was really interesting because in in 2020, we played a few games of pro league and then the Olympics got postponed, it got cancelled. And I'd actually hurt my knee the week before that and was going to be out for about two or three months um, and didn't was probably not going to go to the Olympics. So I had 10 days of going, I'm not going. Like... Mm-hmm. And then obviously got cancelled. I was like, oh, I might get to go. So, yeah, the following year was, it was a, it was probably the most challenging 12 months for me just because, like, we didn't play any games and we trained full-time for 12 months. And there was only about 10 of us left in Perth training full-time, slogging it out, not sure if the Olympics is even going to happen. And I think for me, having come off such a whirlwind of a start to my career, it was like, oh, this is different. This is like... To be fair, probably more of the reality of what elite sport is, is it is, you know, a very monotonous at times. And I probably didn't understand how to fully appreciate that. Um, you know, I was only 20 years old, quite young. Um, and not that I'm, you know, <laughs> that old now. But, yeah, I sort of went that 12 months of training, maybe got bogged down a bit. And we got four games in New Zealand prior to the Olympic team getting picked. And I had two, I got to play two out of the four played what I thought was really well, got sort of the team's most valuable player in my second game, which was the last game I played. So for me, I'm sitting there thinking like, oh, I've played pretty well at this tournament. You know, I've played as much as, I've probably played as much, if not more than anybody in the last four years. And then 10 days later, I'm not on the, I'm not on the list. I'm not in the team. Um, 
which I don't think I ever felt like I was entitled or that I should be in that team. Um, but I think I'd gotten used to getting picked in teams. Um, so it was definitely a bit of a shock. Um, and it was, like I said, it was sort of the first non-selection I've ever really experienced. And pretty much everyone goes through it um, at some point. And for me now, I am very grateful for it because one, I'm, I can relate to people now and understand what it's like to sort of not be in the coach's favour or feel like maybe they don't have the faith that they once had in you. Um, and that was really hard. I didn't even get picked as a reserve. So I actually, you know, I didn't watch much of the Olympics. Um, I did watch the final and it was like a very, very close game and something that, you know, as Australians, you know, being such a dominant hockey nation, we've still only ever won one Olympics. Um, but yeah, it took me a fair bit of time to get back into the swing of things, you know, get back around the, the coaches, the group and, um, you know, probably the start of this year was sort of like, all right, like, you know, am I, is this really what I want to do? Like, this is a reality. It's probably going to happen again this year. Probably not going to get picked again at some point. And you have to, and I think like that's something I'm really grateful for as well, because I always knew that I loved hockey. Um, but I think for a while I thought that maybe I didn't that much anymore, but I think it's just some of the challenges that come with being in a high performance environment are like, it's not all fun. It's not all enjoyable. Um, but as I said at the start of the pod, like I think if you can focus on your intrinsic intrinsic motivators more than anything, like it's it's pretty hard for any external noise to bother you. Um, and that's been like for me, like I'm thoroughly enjoying my hockey more than I ever have now. And I'm probably working harder than I ever have before as well. So at the start of this year it was kinda of like, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna do things a bit different, I'm gonna do things my way, I'm gonna do extra. Um, and yeah, like it's paid off so far. Um, but I think sometimes having to confront uh, the maybe the darker side of the coin, because there's always two sides, um, has sort of allowed me to, you know, just reaffirm that, yeah, this is what I want to do, even though, you know, it's not always going to be fun. Um, and like I said, like, this is again comes back to my parents, but they always have said to me, like, there's always going to be someone that's better than you. Like, there's always going to be, like, someone that gets picked ahead of you. Like, there's going to be a time where you don't get picked. And, like, for me, I never had to confront that um, as a junior in state teams or anything like that. Um, but, like, and so I didn't really know that I needed that um, resilience until sort of it came. And it's still, like, I think for, you know, any of the listeners, like, it's not like it was overnight that I was back in a good place mentally to be like fully into it. Like it took me a long time to go, all right, let go of that, move on. Like I can still disagree with it, but like it can't have any bearing on me anymore. Um, and, and yeah, like I think the one thing that I knew, even as soon as I read the email and wasn't picked, is like I knew I was never going to quit. I think a lot of people sort of go through things like that and start to contemplate like, oh, is this worth it? Like, you know, at what cost do I keep doing this? And for me, I'd my intrinsic motivators were always for me it's about pushing my potential seeing how far i can go and that was like well it doesn't really have any relation to if someone doesn't pick me or if i don't get to go to a tournament um that's purely for me like and it sounds selfish but i think for me to be the best team member i can be i want to get my own house in order i want to be the best that i can be and then you know that allows me to give you know the most that i can to the group um so yeah like it was a challenging experience but it was funny I got to speak at Wesley um, College you know maybe three weeks after the Olympics at their hockey dinner and one of, that's one of the things I said to them was I was like I think 
that my greatest success will probably be coming back from this non-selection. Like, I've been very fortunate, you know, to win, you know, two com games, gold medals, like, go to the World Cup, Champions Trophy, lots of tournaments. Um, but, like, they're really hard to win, but in their own way, um, they're hard, sorry. But getting dropped, not getting picked, having to earn your respect back with the coaches or earn your place back is so much more challenging for me getting to make a team for the Commonwealth Games and now the World Cup, you know, six months and 12 months later has been like, I know what's gone into that to be able to get back into that spot. And that's like, although there's no, you know, yeah, there's maybe a medal at the end, like getting back in that team has been like, that's a much, like much greater success for me than probably just playing my part in the team and and, and winning a medal at, at a tournament. I'm sure people, I'm sure people probably, well, when they think about the Kookaburras, right, they probably think about the Olympics. Like, mm. it is the biggest stage for you guys. I'm yeah. sure people can understand how significant it is missing out yeah. on something like that. One thing you touched on, you said lots of good things, and I took lots of notes, but one thing you touched about were, like, the stages. It's almost like grief, really, right? Yeah. Like, you go through the denial, and then you're mm. angry, and you're yeah. sad. And I know that you said it took you six months yeah, for sure. to bounce back and decide... Yeah. I think, and you've got all these thoughts going on in your head and every day they're changing, right? So how long, do you remember sort of the process and how do you process those intense emotions? Was there something you used? Did you just wait it out? How did you get through those those stages of those emotions? Because everyone that listens to the show is going to have a setback Mm. and their mind's going to be everywhere. It would be really interesting to pick your brains on that, mate. Yeah, I think the one thing for me that I've always done, you know, and I've had plenty of setbacks in the past with different things, and this is just, you know, probably on the higher end of the examples, but, like, for me, I've always just trained harder, um, and I think I probably, you know, went a bit overboard after that non-selection and just, you know, tried to do too much. Um, But for me, that was, to some degree, a healthy outlet, um, you know, rather than turning to other things, and I think... I obviously one of the hardest parts is having to train with the team for the sort of the month after the team's picked before they leave, um, and I and I think like like anything like the first time you do something you're never going to do it that well and I think that was the first time I hadn't been picked and I I definitely could have handled it better and I think anyone that um, doesn't get picked for something it's still going to be a challenge to handle it the right way like. You're allowed to feel down. Um, you should feel down if it means something to you, um, and it's it's hard to then switch back on. And that's why I keep coming back to the intrinsic motivators and how important that is. Like for me, that's like a, that's nothing to do with anybody else. It's purely me and going. Well, I'm going to training today to drive my vehicle, which is hockey, to the next level. And like um, I think. Yeah, I went away when the Olympics was on. I spent a bit of time up in Broome with one of my best mates and reflected on it, um, you know, had a good think about it. It was the first time I'd had a break from hockey in sort of four years, which was also um, probably a good thing. Um, And, yeah, like, I think for me it was the... Yeah, like, I think I was angry for sure. um, But, like I said, I think the one thing was that was good was, like, I knew I was never going to quit. Um, it was then just sort of, you know, you're not around the group for a couple of months after the Olympics as a chance to have a break. So I think I went back with the big mindset of like, all right, I'm going to prove you wrong. Um, and then in the new year, so that was for about six or eight weeks, we did a bit of training. Whereas in the new year, I was a bit like, okay, like I need to use the coaches as much as I can to help myself get better. And I really put a big focus on a good working relationship with them. Like I think 
again why I think the intrinsic motivation is so important is I was like you know I, in the past I was I think particularly leading to an Olympics because I'd never been a part of that part of the cycle before you know I was a bit like oh a bit hesitant for feedback sometimes because I'm like look it's too close to the Olympics like I don't want to like rock the boat or them think like I don't know what I'm doing or something whereas now I'm sort of I'm very very like hungry for feedback and I'm like the more that they can tell me that I'm doing wrong the better because the more I can fix um and I think that's like that's a great skill to have in life in whatever whether it's work relationships whatever is that people might find it a bit weird but the more that I think I can take the blame for the better because then I have some sort of foothold on some control and I can actually do something about it so yeah I think for me that was like a really important thing to learn and and I think when you talk about stages of um, working through something like that like acceptance is a big thing that really happens it was a big part of any I don't know grievance or whatever process or something that you think you should have got um, and accepting that that's the way it happened but you know a lot of the time that um, you know whenever there's a catastrophe there's still an opportunity and I think that for me was the exciting thing I was sort of able to recognize how much I love the sport recognize the challenges in a high performance program separate the two and go well I still love hockey this is still what I want to do no outside noise is going to affect me um you know because that's not really why I'm here I'm here to you know um learn about myself learn about life and and then through that I'll be able to give back to the program and by being a good athlete and and a good human being I think um so yeah lots of challenges but I think yeah like anything I got better at not being so hard on myself um being okay with like having lots to improve and that'll always be the case like it comes back to to being a life learner it's something that if you can accept um sooner rather than later you take a lot of resistance out of your way because you're not trying to fight the fact that you haven't improved as much as you think you should or um things like that um but yeah i think it's good to take a bit of a break but then this year I've just gone the other way and just gone as hard as I can at it, um, harder than I normally would. And yeah, I, I went into that with the mindset that it still might mean that I don't get picked, like, but it's important to me that this is what I want to do and this is what I want to improve. And I've been fortunate that it has come off and um, I've been fortunate to go to the major tournaments this year and hopefully, you know, have a successful campaign at the World Cup next year. And yeah, it's, uh, it's been a journey, but it goes very, very quick. Yeah. You talked about one thing you touched on in the previous question was about entitlement and mm. I'll give you a little lesson that I learned recently. I'm listening to another audio love audiobooks, mm. I'm obsessed. Yeah. And there's the first one by Mark Manson, which was the subtle art of um not yeah. giving a fuck, which was like really big, and then the second book's called Everything's Fucked. Yeah. Um, and now I've got to make it my first explicit episode. That's yeah. so annoying. But he talks about <laughs> the entitlement of like if you punch me in the face, yeah, I want mm. something to balance out, right? Yeah. So I either want to punch you in the face or I want you to give me something. You'll say, sorry, like, yeah. here's a hundred bucks and stuff. But for me, I find the most challenging things in life yeah. are ones where it can't be evened out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And something like the Olympics, mm. it's like, you're not picked. Yeah. Um, me punching you in the face isn't, yeah. isn't going to fix yeah, my problem course. and stuff yeah, so definitely. and i like that you talked about having a foothold yeah. and something mm. to go on yeah one thing that i found interesting so i'm a very anxious guy right yeah one thing i found interesting about the foothold thing and i wonder if you think about this as well for me sometimes asking for feedback 
if it comes from a healthy place, yeah, very good. Yeah, but sometimes it doesn't always come from a healthy place. Sometimes yeah. it's my own yeah. insecurity, and sure. I used to have the same thing with coaches. I'd always be like. Yeah. Oh my! What am I doing wrong? Am I doing yeah this? But it was actually yeah. coming from the coming from a negative thing, yeah. Because I didn't think I was good enough, so that's yeah. why I was always asking. How yeah. do you sort of differentiate that? Can you speak to that a little mm. bit for me? Yeah, I think um, the mindset shift and looking at it through a different lens is is what's most important. Like I think if you can start to look at what people might call negative feedback as like actually that's just an opportunity for you to get better. Like it changes everything because for me, like I'm confident or I'm happy enough with myself or confident enough in myself to go to a coach and go like, I actually want to know like what I'm shit at. <laughs> like tell me what I suck at because then I can do something about it. Um, and because you know, you believe in yourself enough yeah. that the things that you're good at, yeah. you know that you're yeah. really good at it. One of the yeah. best in the world at it. Yeah. So you can back yeah. yourself is that right? Yeah, I think so. I think the thing is, is that you've got to realize that, um, like what I, what I've said in the past is like, you're enough the way you are, but you can always be better. And like, why would you not want to be better? Like, why would you not want to improve? And like the acceptance comes back into that and being a life learner that like, why would you be everything you could be at 22 or 24 or whatever, you know, you shouldn't be like, what are you going to do if you were like, where do you go from there? Um, and I think, yeah, that for me was like, again, why it comes back to, well, for me, I'm just trying to be the best hockey player that I can be. Um, and I try not to, like, I love the detail and like reviewing what I can get better at very specifically. But at the same time, I also just think, well, like, you know, people might say, oh, you know, double down on your strengths or double down on your weaknesses. Whereas I just think like, we'll just get better at everything. <laughs> you know, take, like, don't don't worry about it. Just like, like, why would you not be doubling down on your strengths and doubling down on your weaknesses? You, if you want to get better at something, get better at all of it. Um, and that can be, like, maybe seem overwhelming, but for me, it's like, it's just, when I'm doing something, I'm doing it the best that I can. You know? Does that rub um, people up the wrong way sometimes? Yeah, I like, maybe. Like, I think, again, it depends on where you are mentally and what your headspace is. And I think the thing is, is it's the only thing you have control over is your attitude towards something, your state of mind. Um mind towards the situation like two people can respond very differently you know for example my experience the olympic selection other guys might go well this is just not for me like and might just sort of fluff around at training for the next year or so and i hope i get picked or you know i hope i get another opportunity whereas you can do that and it gives you a bit of an out because if you don't get picked you can go oh well i didn't really give it everything i had whereas you know i think yeah, like if you go, well, I'm going to go as hard as I can at this and if it comes off, it comes off, but like I don't have to worry about not having given it. Um, and yeah, I think it's interesting, like, you know, I think we all get anxious about certain things and, you know, not getting picked or if I'm doing things right. But yeah, again, like coming back to that ability to put your like motivation like intrinsic, like it's not, like no one has control over that, like other than yourself. Um, and like, I get to go and seek all the feedback I want, but I don't have to apply it all. Um, like, I think it's important because the more you go and get, the more, like the better picture you have. Like, I think we mentioned something before about like, you know, you pivot in your journey. Like, you know, I always think of like, you know, just like climb a mountain and stand at the top, like you look for the next one, because as soon as you get up, 
a bit higher, like you see different things, you get more knowledge and then you adjust your journey as for what's better. Um, and like, yeah, like being young is that's where like, you know, a lot of the time you're just early in the process. You don't really know that much. You know, you only know what you know. But as you improve, like whether it's in a career or a relationship or whatever, like you start to see more, you start to become more educated on certain things and then you can go, oh, maybe this is this is the direction I want to head. Um, and I think that's why it's good to just just like have action, which is what I say about like, don't worry about like doubling down on your strengths or your weaknesses, just get better at all of it. And like, when you start to do that, it'll become clear, okay, well, this is actually what I need to work on. Um, yeah. I almost heard my own voice then when you talked about the the bloke who probably doesn't exist, who doesn't yeah. get picked yeah. and then doesn't try. Yeah. I was always, and and still am um, in a lot of things, yeah. but so scared of yeah. failure, yeah. but I'm scared of the hard work. Yeah. To be let down yeah yeah so the podcast is something i've wanted to do forever yeah 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 never did it yeah because what happens if i put so much effort yeah and no one listens yeah and it was and it was with a lot of different things Mm. in my life so it was very interesting when you said that i almost had this like holy yeah (laughs) yeah he's reading my mind yeah um let's talk about it's very easy to say intrinsic it's like a buzzword sure for especially for athletes and stuff yeah. like that. What does intrinsic motivation yeah. mean for you? Yeah. Because I've got a bit of it myself. So with yeah. my running, yeah. intrinsic is I want to be disciplined. Yeah. Um, I want to push myself and I want to prove yeah. to myself that I'm better than what I could. Yeah. And then you lose weight, you yeah. look better and yeah. stuff, yeah. good stuff comes. For sure. But for yeah. you, what, is, what does that intrinsic motivation mean for you? Yeah, well, I think the first thing I would say is that, like I don't discount extrinsic motivation. I think when you're trying to do something consistently, like if you're trying to like be the best hockey player in the world, like that's an extrinsic motivator. And if that motivates you, which it does for me sometimes, like use it. If you're like an AFL player and money motivates you, like I guarantee you it's not going to motivate you every day. But I would say use, like, if you want to try really hard at something, you're going to have to use every bit of motivation or every bit of whatever inspires you, intrinsic or extrinsic, um, when you get the chance to. So whether or not it is, like, if you're running and you're like, I just want to lose some weight and look better, like, I don't, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, use it. If that's what gets you out of bed, it gets you out of bed. Um, If it's like, I want to be building habits so I'm healthy for the rest of my life and that motivates you, use that. The only thing I think about when it comes to intrinsic is that, yeah, it's probably harder to define. And I think for me, the one thing is like when I say I want to be the the best hockey player that I can be, like it's hard to know exactly what that looks like. I think I have a bit of a picture in my mind, but um, I just think that no one can influence that. Like no one can take that away from me. Like just because a coach thinks, oh, maybe like, you know, you're not going to be that good. Like, well, I don't really care. You know, like that's not for you to decide. Like you can't see what I can see in my imagination and whether or not that's possible, that's up to me. And I just think that it really helps you along the journey when like, um, you know, you don't get picked or something like that. And it's like, well, okay, like you don't, like your opinion is that I'm not good enough to be in this team. Well, that's fine. Like that's your opinion um, and you could be right, but like I don't have to buy into that. And I just think that it, it really keeps you on your course because you know that that's what you have control over and no one can take that away from you. And um, yeah, that doesn't mean to say that like it's, um, you know, you're always in a good mindset or that like certain questions or, you know, the nagness of like, oh, I don't really feel like going to training. Like that always comes back. Like you have to 
you know, like I like to get to training early. I like to try and be the first one there, get out on the pitch, do extra stuff. But like, like, you know, like I pretty much get up at about 4.30 in the morning most at, pretty much every day. But like I can, I'm tired every time I get up. <laughs> so like I jump out of bed and go, oh, God, I can't wait to get to training. It's like, you know, like you don't... How good am I? Look at me. Yeah. 4.30. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, like it's like, oh, I'm tired. Like, but I get to training early and I get, you know, get cogs turning. And then by the time the session comes around, I'm ready to go. I'm not sort of, you know, in a slumber and still half awake. And yeah, I think intrinsic is a can be a buzzword but at the same time if you know what it means to you then like you know it doesn't again like that's what's important about it because it doesn't matter what anybody else really thinks i talked to a this was like one of the first psychs i ever saw which was like, i've seen yep. psychs for ages man yep. but this was like probably 2015 or something yep. and the she said to me about values versus goals yeah so one thing with intrinsic is that's how i mm. if my goal yeah. is for everyone to like me yeah good luck yeah yeah but how do you get everyone to like you mm. if i value being kind yeah and i value being nice and generous then that might lead mm. to that goal yeah but the value is what is actually yeah you know going to get you something sure. and it's the same with the hockey thing if you want to yeah. be the best player in the world yeah you probably got to work the hardest yeah you probably got to be there early and stuff and then yeah. and then they're the the values and stuff it is it is really interesting but one thing focused on the olympics a lot Mm. in your story yep and i'm sure part of you sometimes when you get out of bed you're like 2024 Mm. paris yeah is that is that something that something that happens yeah absolutely i think that like i think because i have focused so much on like you said, you mentioned that if you want to achieve a goal, like, yeah, okay, go fully after that goal. But more often than not, my opinion is that if you focus on the underlying value, if that's what it is, then that extrinsic outcome, like winning a gold medal, getting picked for a team, that will come. That will come as like, you know, um, something that comes from doing all the values, doing the important stuff. And yeah, so like I said, any motivator is great. Like if you need something to help you get out of bed and it's like, I've got to get picked for this team and that helps use it like don't shy away from using the extrinsic stuff but i think for me i know that like the best chance for me in my opinion is to do that stuff like get to training early work as hard as i can recover well and like that for me is me just trying to achieve my potential um and if the other stuff comes from that like amazing um and i think that's like it's important to note like i think i've always had a good relationship with like Sykes and and using, you know, um, all the tools and resources you have available to you. I was very lucky to be exposed to that at like 14 or 15 as part of the Southwest Academy of Sport, um, purely from a performance side of things. Um, And I think that anyone should, you know, if they they feel like they want to speak to someone, you know, speak to a professional, it's, you know, like I've always had great experiences with it. And I think that that's one thing is, that's been awesome about sport is I've had that opportunity to go and speak to psychs and sports psychs about how I can improve my game, my mental side of the game. But I think it also has built a healthy relationship that if I was ever to need to speak about things in life and um, import like things that, you know, make you the human being you are, that there's like, I'm not like, there's no stigma for me around going and speaking to someone. And I think that's really important because for me, I've always, although sometimes um, high performance environment, can challenge this like I've always been of the opinion that like good humans make good athletes and great humans make great athletes and I think that like if you're 
not like I, I say it sometimes like if you if your house isn't in order like you know whether that's in your personal life you know academic sporting whatever like you're gonna it's gonna leak into other parts and you've got to get that right and a lot of that's in between the years that's in your head and if that means going and speaking to someone that's so important because it's not selfish it's you know getting yourself right first means that you can be of more value to other people whether that's teammates family partner whatever um so yeah, I think that's a fantastic thing that I hope that, you know, it was cool that you said that, you know, you're big on that, the mental health and resilience and, um, you know, we're all human beings and I'm no different. I'm just, you know, sports my sports my, my artwork, I guess, um, to some degree. Um, and that's, you know, you've got to look at whatever resource you can tap into to, to be the best at that or find the most fulfillment in that. On your, on your bad days, because we all have mm. bad days, there must be that voice in the back of your head that says what if I don't get picked in 2024 mm, yeah do you have that voice yeah I think everyone has that voice I think how do you deal with it yeah so the thing for me is that it's a bit like doing your my my gratitude habits it's like end of the day it's three points like and that you know small habits are you know are not a big deal until they're too hard to be broken I think and for me like that's one of the things about getting to training early like if I'm not it's like when you go for a run, like you go for a run and like I guarantee like the first K, two Ks, you're like, oh, I just so don't want to do this. Sucks. And then after that, you're fine, right? But like the hardest part was like getting out of bed or like putting your shoes on and like, you know, just starting. And so that's why like getting early, getting up early and getting training early is like I'm half an hour on the pitch and like if I'm woke up and you know, wrong side of bed or, you know, feeling a bit anxious or like or you know i'm worried about this i guarantee once i'm half an hour into it and the, and the main session starts like i'm uh, i'm good to go like i've you know i've put any of those thoughts away um and yeah like i think the thing about reps of that is like it's mental reps as well you know whether you meditate or do gratitude or whatever the more reps you do the you know the stronger the muscle that your brain is gets and i think that for me has just it's not it's never gotten easier um but it's more like directed now that it's like, well, this is just what I do, you know, like, and once I get going and it's like, it's like running or it's once you, it's just getting started, like get started. And I might start early and I'm like, I don't really feel like being out here early in the morning. And then 10 minutes later, you're starting to get a bit more intense and you're ready to go. Um, You're not just wasting time. And yeah, it's like, we all have those challenges, but yeah, it's, it's actually just making the choice to do it because regardless of how you feel, you can still do what you need to do. Um, which I think comes back to the values piece. Like I was very fortunate to do through the AIS, a high performance values coaching course um, to become a high performance coach, which is something I'm really fascinated in. And it's really interesting. And that's one of the things that we is a misconception, you know, that we think that if we feel a certain way, we've got to act that way. Whereas if I feel tired, that doesn't mean I can't go and train. You know, if I feel like, oh, you know, I'm a bit sad or anxious or something, you know, it doesn't mean I still can't go to the gym and do what I need to do or go to the library and study. And, you know, you, you do have that capability, even though it doesn't feel like it to just tell yourself what you know you, have, you should be doing. And the yeah. more you do it, yeah. it's like, well, I've felt worse than this. Yeah. And I went for a run. Yeah. So I'm going to do it again. Yeah. I do need to give, what do you know about David Goggins? Yeah, I've read his book. I've read, yeah, like I love reading and I've read a fair few books and he's a, he's a fascinating guy. Um, the new book is out. Yeah, I haven't read that. Yeah. I just got the audio book. Yeah. It's called Never Finished. Yeah. Which even the title yeah. itself, yeah. like evokes yeah. so many thoughts. And if you know yeah. anything about David and, and what he does, but yeah, something that 
that I, I should have I should have mm. probably that should have been one of my three gratefulness things because yeah, I yeah. bought I bought that book the other day I treated myself yeah um, yeah and it is really interesting that whole never finished and one thing that I was thinking before when you were when you were talking is how to stay motivated yeah not every day is going to be I want abs or yeah. not every day is going to be like I want to run so that I can you know do that you got to call on yeah other things all the time and sometimes yeah. you have to go like really happy yeah some days you have to go like really yeah dark but it's very yeah. interesting what you said i needed yeah. to mention that that yeah you got to call on yeah all different things man yeah sometimes when i'm running out to say horrible things to yeah. myself yeah. because like yeah because it sucks because <laughs> i'm like yeah and i'm yeah. like fuck oh, damn yeah. it I swore this yeah. episode is yeah, yeah. it's R-rated no, but good. I'm like you know F you yeah. keep running Yeah. what are you yeah. doing yeah. don't stop yeah. yeah so it is really interesting what you talked about one one thing we're coming towards the end but you're you seem like you've got really good perspective well you do you don't seem like it. you've yep. got a really good perspective and you're doing a lot of good things at the moment but a lot of it's tied to hockey yep one day you're not going to be able to play hockey yep. anymore. Yep. Is it live in the present and don't think about that? Or is it let's be a life learner and learn these lessons for whatever comes next? Do you have yep. any thoughts about, you know, what you're going to be yeah. doing when you can't um, be definitely by hockey? Definitely. I've always been someone that's um, looked ahead to the future and want to have a plan in place. And I think that firstly, just to touch on um, Goggins and when it comes back to in- intrinsic motivation, like... Um, not not having a finish line is like one of the best best things to sort of try and get your head around because like again it's outcome based if you're trying to get to a point like earn this certain amount of money or make this team then you make that team and it's like okay well like what now you know um, whereas if you don't have a finish line if you're like well this is just about me doing this every day like when are you going to get tired? You know, like when, when are you going to feel like I shouldn't be doing this? Because there's no, it's not predicated on your outcome. It's all about that. Or it's about me bettering me. It's about me chasing my potential. And there's no limit to that. Like you don't know how far you can go. You just have to go. One thing that's really interesting, the start of the second book, and Mm. I don't want to plagiarize David, but they did this um, test with lab rats, right? Where they put lab rats in a bucket of water. Yep. First ones, you know, swum for a little while, then yeah. went and looked for an exit and then yeah. ended up dying. They gave up, right? Yeah. And then they did the second lot and the rats are swimming and yeah. then the scientists, when they look like they're getting tired, pick them up, take them out, get their heart rate back down, get their levels good, give them some water, throw them back in the water. Yeah. yeah. They start swimming again and they did it a couple of times and then threw them back in the last time so the yeah. rats are swimming and then they don't get them again. Yeah. Some rats went for more than 60 hours. Yeah. They averaged like 62 hours and the highest one got to like 81 hours. Yeah. Because it's like they had tapped into that part of the mind where it's yeah. like I've been saved before. I know that I can keep going Yeah. and just keep going and there is no finish yeah. line. So yeah, that's a yeah. really interesting story and sometimes yeah. I trick my mind yeah. sometimes I'm running and I'm like yeah. you finish 10k's and we'll get KFC yeah. and yeah, guess what for sure. I finish the thing yeah. and part of my brain goes KFC and the other part goes not a chance Yeah, and yeah, like because sure. it's like you got to use those different motivators yeah. 
Yeah. You know, if we run today, we'll never run tomorrow. Yeah. I know for a fact I'm running tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I got to convince my yeah. brain otherwise. Yeah. You've got to trick it sometimes for sure. And that's one of the things I loved. He said in his first book, I think he's like, you know, when he was doing in Hell Week in the Navy Seals, he's like, this is just what you do now. Like, this is just normal. You know, he talks about his new normal. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, going back to your previous question about outside of hockey, I think what I said at the start about like it's my vehicle like you know it's for me to challenge myself as a person as a human being and that's that's gonna um, be part of everything that I do I think the one thing that I've grown a lot in or the space I've grown a lot in in the last 18 months is that you know you can only do one thing fully at a time I think for me like I still study um, I still have passions you know and hobbies and things outside of hockey and uni but if I want to get the most I can out of hockey like it's okay to have life balance but it's going to be 95% hockey and 5% the rest of the stuff when I finish hockey if it's you know I'm studying physio at uni whether if that becomes my passion or something else like then I'm going to go 95 at that um and things change as you have different responsibilities in life but I think again it's the it's the underlying human being and like you know what you have to do to challenge that it's different for everybody but for me, I'm challenging that not just physically but mentally as an athlete and that's something that I think the more I can focus on that as what's most important, then that whatever, um, you know, thing I'm doing, you know, day to day, whether it's as an athlete or working, whatever, you know, as a partner or whatever, like it becomes, it becomes a challenge, you know, it becomes that no finish line, you know, it becomes that thing that you're working towards that, you know, there's no limit of how good you can get um, and I think being in the pursuit of progress is like a really healthy space to be in. Um, if you, as you said, you know, can be in a healthy mindset where you're not just like, I'm not good enough. Uh, there's this guy, Ed Milet, um, who's like a business, I'm not sure really what he does. I'm, he's American, I think, but he's like a business mogul or something like that. And I've always been someone that's thought like, it always frustrates me when athletes say at the end of their career, like, oh, I did everything I could. And I was like, that's such a lie. Like, you can't. Like, I know for a fact when I finish, it's like, I've been to the beach and surfed. Like, I've hung out with my mates, you know. I could have been watching code. I could have been doing extra training, stretching, recovering. Like, you could have been doing that stuff. So there's no way that you can do enough, I don't think. But he kind of describes it as, like, blissful dissatisfaction. So it's like eating the, you know, a $10,000 steak. It's like you love the piece you're eating so much, but you can't wait for the next bit. And it's like, I think for me, in terms of the hockey thing, it's like, okay, like, I'm happy with where I'm at, which is a hard thing as an athlete because you feel like you're being complacent. It's like, no, I'm enough. Like, I'm a good athlete, but I've got, like, infinite amounts of improvement. And if you can sit in that space, that's what allows you to go to a coach and say, tell me what I suck at so I can get better. Because I'm still happy with where I'm at, but I know I've got so much more to improve. And if that is what excites you, it all lends to that, you know, that intrinsic motivation and that I don't have a, I don't have a finish line. I just have me seeing how far I can take my potential in terms of we've talked about a lot of things and a lot mm. of good things that people would learn um, from this episode but if you could sum it up and give one bit of advice yep. and it can be completely random to what we've talked about yep. for someone that's looking to achieve something or for someone who yep. you know wants to pick your brains a bit what would yep. one bit of advice that you would yeah it's always hard because there's you know that's the thing is you you know as someone who does love to learn there's so many different things that you could say and I think the one thing I would say at the moment for the headspace or that I'm in is that like number one try and be 
grateful for what you've got. That's so important. But at the same time, like whatever it is you want to do, go at it like 150%. Like go as hard as you can at it and and be happy with the setbacks. Be grateful for the setbacks. Be grateful for the learnings you know you're going to have from that. Um, but yeah, don't worry about any of the external noise or whatever. Like, you don't, as I said, if you go hard at something, you're going to start to climb that hill, that mountain, and it's going to change. Every single plan changes. Every single thing you try and do pivots. So... When you start climbing, like don't look for the, the top, look for like the next path, look for the next bit or like, and that's, that's, I think is a good way to sum up life is you're trying to progress, but you don't know how you're going to progress. You just start moving, you start one foot in front of the other, and then you get a bit more view. You can see a bit more as you learn more, as you see more, as you experience more, and then you get to start picking which direction you want to go. And I think sometimes just picking is so much better than not picking, like just do it you know you know either way <laughs> either way you're gonna learn and yeah. progress isn't linear right as you no. as you said you get to the top of the mountain but you mm. might see something you know you might get yeah. there and there might be a bigger peak yeah. but you might have to walk downhill yeah a little bit or you yeah. might lose your footing you might yeah slip but yeah eventually yeah. when you zoom out yeah like me whenever i think about whenever i'm having a bad week yeah i just think in the back of my head zoom out Yeah. Because you'll see the little graph whilst it's on a downturn now. If you zoom out, it's been going up for three years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, It's, yeah, it's very special, mate. Thank you very much for for coming on the show. I guess we, I asked you to come on because obviously the World Cup's coming on and it's a bit timely and stuff, but it's been awesome to have a chat to you to, to pick your brains about all the things that you talk about i think um i think there's been a good a good vibe on the show yeah. on the show today and and all the best you you uh wise beyond your years and you've said some really good things today which are really special and i can't wait to see what's around the corner for you because yeah. i know that the the place that you're at at the moment is only gonna is only gonna take you to the moon mate it's yeah. it's very exciting thanks very much for coming on the show no oh, thanks for having me i love you know talking about all different kinds of things and reflecting it can be very cathartic as an athlete to sit back and, and have a chat about where you've been, what you've learned, and you know if that makes a difference or you know someone learns stuff. I think that that's just an added bonus and um, one of the one of the side effects of you know of, of chasing a dream, I guess. So yeah, thanks for having me. No worries, and I can't wait to catch up early Feb and talk about what went over in uh, what went on over in India, mate, and then what's next for you. Yeah, perfect. That sounds great. What an episode, what a guy. Um, it was it was really special to have some time to talk to Jake. I think that his philosophies as an athlete, um, they're a little bit outside the box um, to a lot of people that you might that you might meet. Um, but it's got him to where he is and it's and it's definitely working. He's he's an absolute superstar um, and we wish him all the best for the upcoming World Cup. I liked the sort of idea that he talked about that he wouldn't change anything, all the setbacks and everything have led him to where he is today. Uh, and something that I always believe that no matter how bad things get or how bad things have been, that you're right where you're supposed to be. Um, being where your feet are, being present is so important. And I think in order to do that, you need to accept everything and um, Jake obviously dealt with 
you know, the heartbreaking non-selection of the Olympics, um, which is the pinnacle of, of, of the sport. Uh, but he's taken that, um, realised that he can't change it, and in fact gone as far to say that he wouldn't change it, and he's now putting in the, putting in the steps to get better. And, and part of that is the intrinsic motivation that he talked about, which is, which is so interesting. And, and once you can tap into that, um, it really opens you up to a completely new world. Um, intrinsic motivation is, is so important to be able to find something like that. If you do things extrinsically, sometimes, you know, you don't quite see the results and it's easier to give up where if it's something coming from inside of you and you're searching within yourself, um, it's definitely easier to keep on going and it's, and it's far more rewarding. Make sure you also like and subscribe to the show, share it with your friends. It, it truly helps and it means the world. Um, even if it's just one listener, uh, it's, it's really special for me that people are listening to the show, enjoying the show, but what's next is telling your mates about it and let's get some more people on board. Now I've got to keep moving, but in the meantime, check in on your mind, check in on your mates, and I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.